0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Yankees News and Views, the new baseball podcast on the Yes Network. I'm your host, Jack Curry. You can find this podcast on the Yes Network app. And once again, our goal is to offer analysis about some of the most interesting developments surrounding the Yankees. We'll discuss what has happened and what might be happening with them. And we're at a great time of the year. It's spring training. Everyone has hope. Everyone has optimism. There's talk about having a great season. The Yankees, of course, are one of those teams who are talking about what they want to accomplish in 2024. And one of the things that has stood out for me already about the Yankees is how many players are talking about the sting of 2023 and how they do not want 82 and 80 to repeat itself and how that is simply unacceptable. And we have even seen in the way that many players showed up early to work out in Tampa that they are trying to make sure they get off to a great start and that they leave 2023 behind. Now, as far as the podcast goes, we debuted with Garrett Cole. So we had the number one starter in the number one slot. Our second guest was Aaron Boone, the man who makes out the lineup cards. And now hitting in the number three hole very appropriately is Paul O'Neill. The former Yankee and obviously my Yes Network colleague. He is our third guest on Yankees News and Views. I love talking baseball with Paul. I love talking hitting with Paul. I have a feeling I'm going to love this conversation, and I think you're
1: going to love it too. Yankee season is here, and the Yes app is giving you more. Download the Yes app and get more ways to watch and stream live games on every device. Uh, More ways to interact with your friends and family with Yes Watch Parties. And more ways to win with Yes Pick and Play Predictor Games for a chance to win cash prizes up to $25,000. Big win for the Yankees! Go to WatchYesNetwork.com to download the Yes app and get more. Paul, you've been retired
0: for more than 20 years. In fact, your number 21 is retired. But at this time of the year, how much of an urge is there, if any to pick up a baseball bat because spring training has returned
2: you know it's so funny you said that because just last weekend I told Neville when I was walking down after the Super Bowl I said every year once the Super Bowl is over that was the internal clock that it's time for baseball and you know you're going to spring training and I always look forward to spring training because you know I was in Ohio it was cold and gray I'm you know trying to do what I could hitting in the cage but you know, to go down there to see some green grass and uh, get things going. uh, I always look forward to spring training.
0: So let's zoom ahead to when you were with the Yankees, because I know in early spring trainings, every young player is trying to win a job, trying to impress, but you're with the Yankees. You're an established player. What were some of your goals in spring training? What were the things on your checklist?
2: Uh, Well, it kind of, it was different a little bit because when I was first traded over there, it's, you know, let's learn a new organization. Um, you know, let's learn the people. And, and that is so important that, uh, to, you know, to get to know the people, the players, the guys you're going to be taking the field with. And then as, you know, the years progressed, as you get older. Uh, yeah, you, you, you talked about checking boxes. You just want to you know, get everything. You, you want to have a stolen base. You want to swing the bat well. You don't want to do too good because you feel like this is almost a jinx. You know, um, you just want to have a good, healthy spring training, uh, feel good at the plate. I always remember that last week where, you know, you could kind of turn it on and and make believe in your mind that these at-bats are counting during the season. And you can't do that on every bat in spring training, but you can that last week make a few of them uh, important.
0: Paul, as a reporter, I've made a lot of phone calls and I've received a lot of phone calls in spring training. I never received a phone call like the one you received in 1999. Ted Williams is on the other end of the line. You'd been struggling in spring training. Your sister Molly was interviewing him for a story. Suddenly she puts two and two together and you've got one of the greatest hitters of all time giving you a pep talk and some advice. Can you share with me what you remember about that phone call?
2: Well, first of all, I thought it was a joke. I mean, uh, first of all, hey, Paulie, this is this is Ted Williams. I'm Yahoo. Which which one of my brothers is this? You know, and and finally, I figured it all out because my sister Molly was doing um, an interview with him. But uh, and then I was kind of floored and blown away that uh, you know he actually, you know, knew the way I hit, knew who I was. Uh, you know, that to me is just like wow. You know, you, you wouldn't expect that. And he said, "I bet to you you're not hitting the ball to left field." And, you know, Ted Williams was a dead pole header, but he had seen me hit over the years and knew that it was very important for me to use the whole field. And uh, that to me kind of like, yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, the, that, that, that night I remember going out and, and going, you know, through batting practice, trying to drive the ball to left center field. Um, you know, when you get advice from, from Ted Williams, from Mickey Mantle, from Yogi Berra, Uh, You know, it sinks in a little bit more than, um, you know, if you get advice from your brothers or or your father, you know, you mentioned
0: your dad. I know that he always preached to you when you were a young hitter line drives line drives line drives and you just talked about hitting the ball to every field. How would you describe
2: yourself as a hitter. What worked for you at the major league level. You know, I was a gap-to-gap hitter, truly. I mean, uh, I, I was more comfortable, actually, with the ball out over the plate where I could get extended and drive the ball to left center field. That, to me, especially against lefties, um, I had trouble uh, with the two-seam fastball from lefties in on my hands, especially as you get older, you know, your bat speed's not as quick. I mean, when you get to the major leagues as a 22-year-old kid, there's nobody can throw hard enough. Just throw fastballs, I'll catch up to it. But then you learn to hit breaking balls and then you learn to hit change ups. And then all of a sudden, as you get older, you learn that I can't catch up to that fastball inside anymore. So you kind of, you know, adjust your stance, kind of adjust things you do. But I never adjusted where I wanted the ball. It was out over the plate. Uh, I look for and Derek Jeter has said the same thing. I look for the ball right down the middle of the plate. And in my mind, I was going to get a pitch that I could hit. Whether I had to adjust to it throughout the bat, Okay, but. I didn't want to look in or look too far outside because, you know, if you look in, you start opening up. If you look too far away, then you start diving. I wanted to be in a, in a neutral position where I could handle everything.
0: Paul, you and I collaborated on a book together called Swing and a Hit. I have it right back here. Uh, I learned so much about hitting from you. You're a good friend and our new Yes Network colleague, George Girardi actually wanted you to be his hitting coach with the Marlins. So, Your hitting knowledge and your hitting mind is well known. When a hitter approaches you and seeks advice, what are the things you need to know about what that hitter is going through to be able to help him, to be able to say, hey, I'm not sure you're doing enough of this. Maybe you should do a little more of this.
2: You know, I would never just walk up to somebody and and, uh, on the Yankees, uh, you know, on the field at batting practice and say, hey, uh, but if somebody comes up to me, which in the past has happened, you know, on the monitor, when we're watching games, you can see specific things that hitters do. And I, I've had, you know, conversations with Lemayhu. I've had conversations with, with Higgy uh, when he was there. You know, uh, IKF asked me about some things in the outfield. And then you're, you open up and, and you're able to, uh, you know, speak from the experience that you went through. Now, if you know, Stanton or Judge come up to you, what are you going to say? I mean, these guys have power that, uh, you know, I I didn't possess. So, you know, obviously the mental part of it, uh, how you get through every single bat is important, but you look at some guys that you're not capable of doing what they're doing today.
0: You mentioned the monitor. You mentioned being in the booth. You're going to be in the booth this year to watch a prolific hitter in Juan Soto. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I have actually texted about him a little bit already, but when you look at what Soto does as a hitter, what are you most impressed with?
2: I, I mean, his discipline at the plate. I mean, uh, obviously he his on-base percentage is phenomenal. He has power to all fields. Uh, he's not a guy that hits on his front foot. If you watch some of his highlights, his home runs, he's kind of that back foot hitter where he can really turn on the ball, and it creates a lot of power. And, uh, you know, he's kind of got a, a spread stance. He's kind of low to the ground. And he doesn't have a lot of movement, and that's always a good thing. And uh, he's young, and that helps, too. But, you know, I, I think that if I would make this lineup up, uh, you know, I would have him hitting second. I have Aaron Judge hitting third. What protection? Uh, you know, he, he will take a walk, and that's going to be the, uh, the important thing, that he doesn't change what he does at the plate. Because now he's a New York Yankee, and all all of a sudden he wants to do great things. He'll do great things as long as he gets out on the field 150 to 155 games.
0: Well, when you see our buddy Michael Kay, please make sure you emphasize that Soto followed by Judge 2 and 3, because that's what I agree nah. with. Michael's thinking Judge and then Soto. We had a little passionate back and forth on one of the hot stove shows, so I want you in my corner. So emphasize that, please, when you talk to Michael about the lineup.
2: I'll do. You know what? I I don't need much to do, to dig him on the mic. So I'm going to put that one in my pocket. We'll bring that up on opening day. All right.
0: You played on some amazing teams. I I, I think of the '98 team, and I, I've spoken to you about the '98 team, and and it was a gauntlet one through nine. But mm-hmm. but let's just focus in on what the 24 Yankees are going to have. With Judge and Soto. I mean, can you imagine being the pitcher, the pitching coach, the manager? Aaron Boone said it yesterday, and he could be right. You might be talking about the two best hitters in Major League Baseball who are going to be back-to-back in that Yankee lineup.
2: Well, arguably, there's no doubt about it, that they're they're up in the conversation as being, the you know, the two of the better hitters, especially in the American League. So uh, to have two of them back-to-back in a lineup, obviously, you know, every third inning or so, you know, a pitcher is going to know that Juan Soto, Aaron Judge, Stanton are going to come to the plate. So, um, you know, two guys don't make a lineup. Obviously you're going to need a lot of help from guys up and down the lineup. And and if you look at the teams that, um, you know, are successful that score a lot of runs um, there's tough outs one through nine. And uh, I think the Yankees have uh, the capability to do that, but it always comes down to the injuries. And uh, that's what, uh, has been, you know, kind of the thing they can't stay away from. But, uh, you know, there's some guys that uh, that are out there that, that want to prove something. And, uh, you know, sometimes that can be a, a good thing coming into the year.
0: Paul, the game has changed so much so that with the way bullpens are incorporated now, we don't see starters going as deep into games as they did. For instance, when your career first started, how much appreciation do you have for Garrett Cole and his durability? And the fact that he is a throwback, he could have pitched in the nineties. He probably he could have pitched in the seventies. He- he's that kind of guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's not a trick pitcher. I mean, he's a power pitcher that has great control, great command. He's got pitches any, you know, he's just not out there throwing the ball. I mean, he studies hitters. He studies what he wants to do. He, you can see his reaction. Even if he, if there's a foul ball, if it's not the location he wanted it He's frustrated and that's that perfectionist and i like that i mean uh, i think that you know obviously you're winning the Cy young you you expect to do well and uh, you know every time he takes the baseball um, you know the yankees should expect to win and that's where you know a lot of people get into the rotation it all revolves around garrett cole being your ace where you know rodan should bounce back you know Strowman hopefully gives them a ton of innings they don't need to be number one starters. They need to be successful starters and give the team a chance to win. But you've got your number one starter in at Cole.
0: Paul, when you guys lost in 97 and, and the aching way that you lost, I know you told me you carried that into 98. Jeter told me that. Posada told me that. All down the list. This is a similar comparison with this current Yankee team. I've noticed this spring training, a lot of them are talking about 82 and 80. And they're almost carrying that despair into 24 and saying, we are not going to let that happen again. How much can the failure, and I put failure in quotes for 1997 because you guys were in the postseason, but how much can not fulfilling your goals from the previous year motivate you into a new year?
2: You know, I I always, you never want to hear the word fear in sports, but I always, and I think I even told you this during the book, uh, you know, once you, 96 we win. 97, we expect to win, and somehow we don't. You have that fear of failure now where it's like you know it can happen. You play harder to not let it happen again. And, you know, 98, 99, 2000, I think we still had that in the back of our mind that it is possible in these short series you could win. Now, you have a year like the Yankees had last year. Um, Obviously, you write off a lot of it with injuries. But obviously, it was a, it was a huge disappointment uh, for, for me, for you, for every fan, for the organization. It just was not the true New York Yankees uh, in September just playing the schedule out. And uh, believe me, if that doesn't light a fire under you, uh, you just can't go out and buy talent and expect to win. You have to go out on the field every single day and, and, and win games. And, you know, you, you can win divisions in April, May, and June just as easy as you can in September. But uh, you just don't want to put yourself in a position, uh, you know, where you know a, an injury is going to make or break your season. You have to put yourself in a position early in the year where uh, you know you're a dominant force in the American League East.
0: Yankees will have a 26-man roster, like every team. They'll probably have twice as many guys who will play during the 24 season. But if I asked you for an X-factor, if you had to pick one guy to say this guy really needs to bounce back to allow the Yankees to get where they need to get to in 24. Who are you honing in on?
2: Well, on the pitching side, obviously, Rodon. I mean, it was, it was kind of a wasted year last year. I mean, you got to remember, he he was one of the better pitchers in baseball a couple years ago. So uh, you look for that. I think LeMahieu will get better. Obviously, he had fought injuries over the year. Aaron Judge, if you remember, last year was off doing MVP season when he got hurt. So and uh, But there was a huge void not only when Judge got hurt, but when Rizzo got hurt. You need that stability, the defense, the good at-bats, the veteran leadership. Um, you know, Juan Soto, you expect great things from. Verdugo, he's accustomed with the American League East. So I know I'm rambling on here, but if I had to pick, you know, one pitcher it would be Rodon and one hitter. You know, I, I would say, you know, just Soto, that he is, he is himself and Rizzo stays healthy. How's that?
0: That's very good. I would go Rodon, but I would go with Stanton as as my X factor on the offensive side. But that's because I'm I'm assuming Soto is going to be Soto, and I'm assuming Rizzo is going to come back. But I I like your answers. I want you to put your batting gloves down for a second. Put that imaginary baseball bat down. We're going to Paul O'Neill picking up his drumsticks. (laughs) I want you to tell me the current or no longer around band that you never saw in concert that you wish you could have seen? And if they're current, I guess you still could see them. But who's the band that, man, I I wish I had the opportunity to
2: see them live. It's pretty easy for me because I look back and I was a drummer. You talked about the drumsticks and, you know, the guy that I always try to emulate was John Bonham. So, you know, to never see Led Zeppelin, that's the one thing. I mean, I saw the Rolling Stones a hundred times. I saw all the classic guys, the Who, everything. But I never had the pleasure to see uh, Les Zeppelin a concert. And now as it goes on farther and farther, you realize really how good they were.
0: So mine would be Bob Marley. And I have to tell you, I just went to see this uh, biopic, One Love, the Bob Marley. Uh, uh-huh. Isn't
2: that Very Three well Little done. Birds? I mean, uh, isn't that the real name of that song? Three, three little, little Birds? birds.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's, yes. But one love is the <laughs> name of the movie. You're a music guy. I would tell you, even if you only like a little reggae, a little Marley, I think you'll, uh, I think you get a kick out of that movie. The guy who plays Marley does a real good job mm-hmm. of bringing his spirit forward. So I now going to go in another music direction. Let's act like you don't have your phone. You don't have Spotify. You have no ability to access music. You have to listen to one artist for a month straight. Who, who are you listening to? Who's, who's the one uh, band you wouldn't get tired of?
2: I go, I go through phases. It's weird. And as you work out now, you know, you, you get on playlists and you never leave them for like a month. And I mean, I can stay on Camp for a month. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest. We went to see him a hundred different times. In that time, he was as good as it gets. And then, you know, next week, uh, you know, it could be, uh, you know, Bruce Springsteen and Bon Jovi, a little New Jersey action. So uh, I go in phases. But, uh, you know, it'd be very easy for me uh, to listen to Mellencamp, to listen to Bruce uh, for a month.
0: When's the last time, if ever, you were starstruck when you met someone, an entertainer, an actor, maybe even somebody in the sports world? Have you ever been taken aback recently and said, wow, I can't believe I got the chance to speak to that person?
2: Yeah, many times. And and the one time that uh, comes to my mind was the first time I had the opportunity to play golf with Michael Jordan. I mean, I grew up watching Michael Jordan play. So he was the guy of my generation. And I, I tell my kids all the time that, you know, we talk about the match and everything, but I said, I just kept looking over there and saying, that's Michael Jordan. And it just, uh, it's really amazing that, uh, you know, he had that much, you know, it, it, he just brought that much love to the game. It, it kind of changed basketball forever. There's no doubt about it. I mean, there's still arguments of who's the best basketball player ever. But when you have an opportunity, you know, to play golf and and, and hear him and just see how big they are, and, I mean, it's, I would say Michael Jordan comes to mind first. Do you
0: remember what
2: you shot that day and did you outscore him? Uh, you know what? I hope he doesn't watch this, but I did. I actually won. And you know, the funny thing is. I hope he does watch this. <laughs> he is so competitive that I said, I beat him, but I had lost to uh, one of his friends. And I said, oh, just give it to him. He said, I'm not giving him anything. You hand it to him. <laughs> that to me was the to say because I had to take the money from him and then hand it to his friend because he wasn't going to do it.
0: Do you recall conversations as you guys were playing? Do you even broach the Chicago Bulls? Do you even say, I I loved watching you and your career?
2: Did he ask you much about the Yankees? Um, I mean, back and forth, because he was, you know, he was a baseball fan. He he went through the, you know, the, the baseball thing for there for a while. So He's very knowledgeable. And, I, and after that time, I had seen him at the ballpark numerous times because he had become close friends with Derek Jeter. So uh, it's not like he was just showing up. He, he was interested in the game of baseball as I was interested in the game of basketball, because, you know, I, all the way through high school, even one year in, in college, I, I, I played basketball. I love basketball. But uh, thank goodness I stuck with baseball because, uh, you know, the size and quickness and stuff out there today, very hard to play against.
0: There was one person, though, and you told me this story, and it's included in the book, who even after your major league career was already well-established, what did uh, Bobby Knight have to say to you when you encountered him <laughs> at Yankee Stadium one day, the famous Indiana coach, of course?
2: You know, again, these are stories that just, like, take you back, because I had heard he was on the field. I was going down to the field, and, you know, I introduced myself and he said, you know, you had a great career, and, uh, but you would have been a better Hoosier. And I said, you remember that? Because I had actually gotten letters from Indiana for basketball because Gene Davis, who was his assistant coach at the time, was coaching in Columbus in the league that I was in. So uh, to know that he remembered that in my name and, you know, that to me kind of took me back because certain, you know, it was what, 20 years after, 25 years after. So it's uh, uh, that was really what caught my attention.
0: We talk baseball, we've talked basketball, we talk music back to baseball for a second as we close out here with a few more. What is the best advice anyone ever gave you that you felt you carried through your baseball career? Something that maybe when you weren't feeling your best and you needed a little, a little boost, you you
2: turned back to that piece of advice. Well, I, I mean, you always go back to what your father taught you. And, you know, my dad was, I was very lucky because he was my coach, uh, you know, and He never put pressure on me. He always knew that tomorrow uh, could be a better day, even if you lost the game today. But, you know, the first thing that came to my mind when you said that was when I came to the Yankees, the first thing Mattingly told me is, like, you don't have to be a pull hitter. Hit the ball where it's pitched. I've seen you hit. Hit the ball where it's pitched. And it was just like this big weight had gone off my back because I had just come from Cincinnati where – they were telling me to pull the ball, pull the ball. And, you know, it's like telling you to, to write left-handed if you're right-handed. It's, it's uncomfortable for you, you know? So it, it was a huge, huge thing for me. And that was like day one or day two. So it just, uh, it was a big relief that I could go out and, and just hit the baseball the way uh, that I was taught and the, the way I was comfortable.
0: So I'm going to close out with a hypothetical. I know that you're going to be in Houston for the Yankees mm-hmm. season opener this year. And of course that will be on the S Network. This is a hypothetical from, from crazy land, but we're, we're finishing in a fun manner. Let's imagine that Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone approached you and player X, because I don't want to jinx anybody, player X got injured and they're not going to be able to get somebody up from AAA in time for the game. They said, Paul, we need you to suit up for one game. It, it might be a pinch hit appearance, but we need that extra, that extra body in the dugout.
2: What's your reaction? First of all, I I would shake my head and think, I hope it's a blowout because I can't do anything at the plate for you. Believe me. But uh, you know, I always, always thought, you know, a couple years after you retire, if you can still play and in the back of your mind, you still think you can, I don't have those thoughts anymore. You know, (laughs) even watching batting practice, you see how fast things happen on the field, you know, and that's one thing we were talking about music. I mean, musicians can go on late into life and still be good. Athletes, No, not so much. I mean, by the time you hit your late 30s, early 40s, your athletic ability declines and you can fight it and you can do whatever you want, but that's just the way it is.
0: Honest answer. I appreciate your honesty. And again, that game will be on March 28th, Yankees Astros. As far as I'm concerned, spring training is the the best time of the year, but then opening day is an even better time. So we all look forward to that. Paul, always a pleasure to talk with you. I appreciate the time.
2: All right, Jack. Have a good one. We'll see you soon. Thanks a lot.
1: Take care. Yankee season is here, and the Yes app is giving you more. Download the Yes app and get more ways to watch and stream live games on every device. More ways to interact with your friends and family with Yes watch parties. And more ways to win with Yes pick and play predictor games for a chance to win cash prizes up to $25,000. Go to watchyesnetwork.com to download the Yes app and get more. As I said before
0: the interview, I always enjoy talking baseball and hitting with Paul. And that last interview and that last conversation was no exception. I love his breakdown on Juan Soto. I like what he had to say about Carlos Rodon being an X factor for the Yankees. And how about Paul playing golf with Michael Jordan And even beating the ultra-competitive Michael Jordan, and then for you music aficionados, which of course I am, Paul O'Neill wishes that he had gotten the chance to see Led Zeppelin. So that was our little musical appetizer or main course. We made that a main course. Maybe it was a little appetizer and a little main course. It was both of those things. Now, I always want to end each podcast with a story of the day and a song of the day. The song of the day is an easy one. Paul mentioned Bruce Springsteen. Song of the day is going to be Better Days. Now, I know there are several artists who have a song called Better Days, but I'm going with Bruce Springsteen. I'm a Jersey guy. I love Springsteen. I know Andrew, who is producing today, he loves Bruce Springsteen. So the Yankees are trying to have better days in 2024. So that seemed like an appropriate song. My story of the day is is going to go back to a story involving Paul O'Neill. And this is a story that, when I tell it, I end up getting a little misty sometimes, a little emotional. And here's why: Yankees are playing the Mets in the 2000 World Series. After they win Game Four, they're one win away from winning the World Series. A year earlier, Paul O'Neill's dad had passed away during the 1999 postseason. I always knew during the 2000 postseason, I wanted to find the right opportunity to ask Paul about his dad, to ask him what he was thinking about a year later. So you can't ask that question to somebody in front of their locker. You have to find the right time to do that. Now, fortunately, Paul and I had a good relationship. So I waited until he had left the clubhouse at Shea Stadium. And I followed him to the Yankee team bus that was waiting outside the stadium. And for the first couple of minutes as we walked, we just talked about baseball And then I finally said to him, as we got closer to the bus, Paul, how much have you been thinking about your dad during this World Series? You don't know what kind of response you're going to get. Some people may embrace that. Some people may be angry. Some people may become emotional. Paul actually thanked me. He thanked me for asking about his dad. And he lifted up his hand and he showed me his ring finger. And he had his own wedding band on. But he said his mother had recently given him his father's wedding band and he was wearing it as well. And as a reporter, I was appreciative that Paul shared all that with me. And as a reporter, I knew I had an amazing story. Well, the clock had passed midnight by the time I got to my car and knew what story I was going to write. When I got in the car, something dawned on me. It was October 25th. The morning of october 25th that was the five-year anniversary of my dad passing away now in pursuit of the story with paul i hadn't really been thinking about that i always try and just zoom through october because both my mom and my dad passed away in the month of october and i just thought wow how symbolic was that here i was asking paul about his father and i know that my my dad was hovering over that whole conversation so that's today's story of the day And I also have to mention that the day we taped this interview with Paul and I, this would have been my mother's 85th birthday. So anytime I get the chance to mention both my mom and my dad while I'm working or while I'm just doing anything, that's a soothing and a rewarding day for me. So thanks again for listening to the Yankees News and Views podcast. Please let us know what you think about the podcast. Rate us. You can find it on the Yes Network app, and you can also find it in other places. And we look forward to seeing you again and for you listening to us again on our next episode.